So how many of you are ready to hear the word of God this morning? I don't know. I'm excited about this, and I, I thank God for it. You know, uh, Reverend Larry and, and, and Liz Hutton are dear, dear friends of mine, and, and friends of mine and Pastor Pamela's, and uh, they're, they're very, very special, as you guys all know. They were here during, and they've just been here. They've been a part of our lives for many, many years, and we go back many, many years. But I just sense in my heart that he has a word from God for you and I this morning and tonight. I really do. I really do that. I mean, there's just some things I really believe with all my heart. You know, many times we can get to, well, I've heard him or I know him. Because you can get him, you know, just like you treat me. I don't want you to treat him like you treat me. I want you to treat him special. Okay? Treat him special. Okay? Hallelujah. I know he's been here. He comes every year. It's a blessing. Hallelujah. And uh, it's my church. It's my family. I can talk to them like that. They're all awesome. But no, they're all great. They, they, they love me. I, they haven't kicked me out yet, so it's all good. <laughs> Praise God. No, I love all of you dearly. But you know, sometimes we can just think, okay, but it should have received because there's a gifting and there's an anointing. He's an anointed teacher of the word of God for the body of Christ. There's a prophetic anointing on his life and, and a healing anointing. So I just want God to touch your lives this morning. Amen. So let's give a good, warm Harvest Bible Church welcome to Reverend Larry. Brother Larry, come on, buddy. I just think he's the best. Hallelujah. Oh, man. Praise God. I am so happy to be back with you all. I'm just so blessed. It just brings tears to my eyes. Love you all so much. I'm so thankful to be here with my hubby this time. Yeah. Pastor Pam said that he couldn't come back unless I came. Am I on? And so. (sighs) Am I on? No. Turn him off. Turn him off. No, I'm kidding. So anyway, we are so excited to be here, and I know God has some amazing things. That worship was over the top. I mean, just the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Can you get any better than worshiping the name of Jesus? He's our protector. His name is above every single name, everything that comes against us, every single thing about in this world, the yes, devil has yes, to yes. bow at the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that name, that name, that name, Thank that name. That. It just brings Thank such you. comfort Thank and you. such joy. Aren't you just happy? Aren't you just overflowing from the inside? Because I sure am. Amen. I'm just so thrilled. Praise God. And so just draw on the spirit of God today. Amen. Like pastor said, we don't really thank God for the man, but more God, more for the gift. Amen. Yes, the gift yes. on the inside because God has something that he wants to share with you today, Father. Yeah. You all. And so we want to draw on that gift and let God minister the very words from his heart that he has for you today yes. because he yes. has something for you. Say, God has something for me. God has something for me. Amen. Say it again. God, God has, has something, something for, for me. me. Amen. And I receive it, and I'm going to get it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, do come back tonight, and we're looking forward to drawing on the Word of God this morning and being blessed and changed. Amen. We love you so much. Amen. Praise God. She just, she just finished a ladies' meeting last week, and I thought as she's talking right now, I thought, man, I ought to just go sit down and let her go. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what Pastor Mark just said and what Liz just said about the gifts, you know, when in Ephesians 4.11, when it says God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he connected those gifts to people. And yet we don't want to hear from the person. 
We want to hear from the gift that's connected to the person. You get that? So he gave apostles, but an apostle, a man like Paul, had that gift. And people didn't want to hear Paul. That's why Paul said, I don't want you to get my wisdom or man's wisdom. I want you to get God's wisdom. So, man, let's just put a draw. Let's just pray right now and just agree together for a draw on the Holy Spirit that we're not going to hear from Larry. We're going to hear from the gifts God's put in me and that we're all going to be changed, right? We're not playing church. We're here to be changed from faith to faith and glory to glory, right? So, Father, right now we all come into agreement that we will hear from you today, Lord. Draw on the gifts, Lord, out uh, of Larry so that we hear from you, Lord God. I yield myself to you. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips. Make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer that I would speak the oracles of heaven that would be written on the, all the, the epistles of our hearts so that we'll walk out of here being seen and read of all men, Lord. We'll give you the glory. We'll be the light of the world and the salt of the earth that you've made us. We thank you for that, both for this morning service and the evening service in the wonderful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel, the third chapter. We are so excited to be back. You guys are just so, so precious to us. We've just known you for so many years, and a bunch of you are partners of our ministry, and And I think out of all the hundreds of churches in this nation we go to, I think y'all are either in second or third place with partners. That's pretty good. I mean, out of all the churches, you're in the top two or three. I can't remember if you're second or third place. The church we just came from in Cheyenne, they're in first place, but they got more people in their church that are partners than any, any place. But you guys have just always stood with us. You've always supported us. You've prayed for us. You've just been there. And then Pastor Mark and and I and Liz, we go back to 1983 uh, when he was pastoring in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we go way, way back, but we were just little 10-year-olds at that time. So, <laughs> Hallelujah. Boy, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was just talking to a pastor uh, last week, and we were talking about how the world system of aging is so different than God's system. And so somebody had asked me, in fact, I've had this happen several times. So brother Larry, when are you going to retire? And I said, retire from what? I don't have a job. I have a calling. I can't find in the Bible where it says retire from a calling. So that's why Moses did more from 80 to 120 than he did his first 80 years because of a calling. Amen. So, man, we got a lot to look forward to. If Jesus tears, I'm not letting Moses outdo me. <laughs> he didn't have the greater one living on the inside of him. I do. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, so my assignment, I say, saith the Lord, that there are things coming down what you call coming down the pipe. They're coming down the road and they're meant to harm you and they're meant to bring evil to you and they're meant to destroy the very nation that I've raised up that you are part of. But I, saith the Lord, will not allow that to happen because 
I'm working through people. I'm working through people like you. I'm working through men and women of God. And I am using that power that's being released through my body to bring about the things that are necessary so that I'm able to work behind, you call behind the scenes, but it's in the eternal realm. It's in the spirit realm. They can't see it, but you can, but the eye of faith. And so stand up and be strong in these last days for great revival has already begun and will be greater, even eclipse the book of Acts, saith the Lord. Hallelujah! Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody that's had an equilibrium problem is being healed right now. The power of God, if you're here and you've had an equilibrium type problem, that's that healing power for that very thing is available. Who is that? Lift up your hand if that's you. Lift up your hand if that's you. Who's, who's had one back here? Okay, over here. All right, let's all lift up our hands and say, thank you, Lord. We, we thank you for their healing that is manifest now in this service this morning. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, as I was about to say, <laughs> hallelujah, God's... Uh, God's given me a message this morning and tonight. Uh, it's really not a two-part series, but I can already see from what the Lord told me to share, it'll end up being like a two-part series. But um, um, to enable you to walk out in the future, the future months and years, because of the evil and darkness that's going to come on the face of the earth, uh, to be able to walk out as a light and not... not uh, pull back, not draw back, not be afraid, not, not be, get in fear, like what happened just two years ago with the Wuhan virus. I mean, people just got in fear. I, I, of course, I got a firsthand experience because I travel all over the country. I'm on the road 40 to 45 weeks out of 52 every year, and this is our 40th year of doing that. Uh, and so I get a, you know, a broad view of the fear that was in the body of Christ. People just got afraid and, and just... I was amazed that they were not bold. They were not a light. They just acted like the rest of the world. Well, that's not going to make the rest of the world want to be like you if you're a Christian. <laughs> They're supposed to see a difference in us. Paul said, come, ye, come out from among them. Remember to the Corinthian church, come out from, be ye separate. Interesting, that Greek word he says there in Corinthians, that word separate is the same one he used in Matthew when he was talking about separating the, the uh, sheep from the goats in the nations. And that's the same word separate. That's how we're supposed to be separate. He didn't say go live in colonies, Christian colonies, and don't dwell, you know, don't have anything to do with the heathen. No, we're supposed to go into all the world, but we're supposed to be a light. Amen. So that God, God can change people through us. Praise God. So, um, before I start reading what we're going to read in Daniel, um, I wrote down some things that I want you to know about your God that, uh, the Bible says that God is on your side. Yes. The Bible says that God's for you, not against you. Yes. 
The Bible says God will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible says that God will not allow you to enter into a test or trial that is stronger than your ability to overcome it. The Bible says that God's grace is sufficient to defeat every enemy. The Bible says that God will never stop loving you. The Bible says that God has already given you all things you need to live a godly and fulfilled life. The Bible says that the God in you is greater than any of the forces of the darkness of this world. The Bible says that God has raised you up with Jesus and given you a position in heaven right next to him. The Bible says that God wants you to rule and reign in your life because you're in Jesus. The Bible says that God has made you more than a conqueror. That's to demonstrate how much he loves you. The Bible says that God has given you dominion and power over all the works of the enemy. The Bible says that God has given you a peace that passes understanding, a joy that's unspeakable, a hope that purifies, a patience that endures, a love that never fails, a word that heals, and a spirit that quickens. Do you believe it? Glory to God. I hope you do because we're getting ready to look at a true story in the Bible where these guys face probably worse conditions than you and I will ever have to face in life. But if we do, no matter how bad it looks, we have a God that's bigger, praise God. So before, before we read here in Daniel 3, hold your place. Go over. i got to show you this real quick. Go over to Hebrews, the 8th chapter. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Let me just show you verse 6. Hebrews 8, 6. And it says this. Well, okay, I'll wait. <laughs> my wife got on me recently. She said, honey, you start reading before everybody turned their Bible. <laughs> yeah, I said, but my electronic Bible's quicker than their leather Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 8, 6. All right, I guess we'll put it up on the screen or will we not? Yeah. We will? Yeah. There we go. So Hebrews 8, 6. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry in, the, in so much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. Everybody say better. Better covenant established on better promises. Say better promises. promises. All right, so what's he saying here? He's saying that you and I have it better off. In fact, say this. I have it better off than Moses. I have it better off than Elisha. I have it better off than Solomon. I have it better off than David. I have it better off than anyone under the old covenant. So when if, whenever we read about mighty men and women of God under the old covenant, you have it better off than they did. And we look at them, and, 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 I, and I, I had the Spirit of God tell me this. He said, you, you look at uh, people in heaven, the great patriarchs, and say, man, I can't wait to heaven uh, to get up there and meet them. And you don't understand, they're waiting for you to get to heaven to meet you. They're actually waiting for you. Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob and Solomon, they're waiting for you to get to heaven. You know what they're going to ask you? They're going to ask you, what was it like to have God living on the inside of you? Wow. I wish we'd had that. Yeah, you got it better. A lot better. All right, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, if you'll please turn back there. Daniel chapter 3. And before we start reading, allow me to fill you in on what has transpired before we start reading here. King Nebuchadnezzar had had some dreams, but there was one dream in particular that he could not remember, and yet he just kept thinking it just seemed so significant. And I, he, it, in fact, it bothered him so much he couldn't even sleep. So what he did is he called his, his magicians, his astrologers, his sorcerers, he, he called them all together, and he said, uh, guys, I had a dream, 
And uh, I'm, I, I don't even know the dream, much less the interpretation of the dream. So I need you guys to tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation. And so the, all the wise men that, that he called, you know, wise men, astrologers, magicians, and all those guys, they said, well, King, if you'll tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. And they said, you, you guys must not be listening. I just told you I can't remember the dream and, um, uh, or the interpretation, so you better tell me the dream or I'm going to cut you into pieces. <laughs> and so they went on and said, um, uh, actually, the king, after he said, I'm going to cut you into pieces, then he came back on the good side and said, but if you go ahead and tell me, I'll give you great gifts and rewards and I'll bestow much honor on you and all that stuff. So then, then once again, the second time they said, well, king, if you'll just tell us the dream, then we'll give you the interpretation. Well, that that really ticked King Nebuchadnezzar off. And so he said, okay, you guys are just trying to buy time, but your time has come. You better tell me right now what I dreamed and the interpretation, or you are dead men. So the astrologer spoke up and said, King, uh, there's not a man on the earth that can tell you the dream. And there's not a lord or ruler, talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, there's not a lord or ruler that would ask any such thing of a magician or an astrologer. And then they went on and said, um, it's really a very thing, a rare thing that you would require this of us, King. And by the way, only, this is what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, only the gods of heaven could tell you such a thing. Yeah. So <laughs> that's when King Nebuchadnezzar lost it and he commanded all of the wise men, all the ones that were sitting here in front of him talking to him, he, he actually got his king, the king's guard, the top guys, he got the king's guard. He said, I want you to go gather all the wise men of Babylon and I want you to kill them. So you, you know the story. That included, the wise men included Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and, and Azariah, which we know those three guys as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so to make a long story short, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. God gave Daniel the uh, dream. He showed him the dream and the interpretation. He went and told the king. And the king was so elated that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar put Daniel second in command underneath him over the whole kingdom. And so Daniel then requested for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be put in positions somewhere, and the king made them rulers over the whole province of Babylon. So that's the setup of where we're going to start reading. Uh, Of course, you know, King Nebuchadnezzar, as you know, got the big head, and he decided to build this statue. Um, In fact, look at verse 1, because this statue or this this God being golden image that he built actually was a representation of him. It looked like King Nebuchadnezzar. Let me prove that. Look at verse 1, Daniel 3, 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. If you'll look up the ancient Hebrew used here for the word image, it means a representation of an original. A representation of an original. You and I would say a copy. So, yeah, this uh, image looked just like old King Nebi. (laughs) And uh, he made it 90 feet tall. Can you imagine, made of gold, 90 feet tall, and he made it nine feet wide. That's a big statue. And then he set it right up outside the city. Now, the city, uh, there was a plain right outside the city and where everybody could see it. He set it right outside the city, and then he made the announcement as king. He said, we're going to have a dedication service, and I want everyone to come. And so he set a date. They all came. He didn't tell them in advance what he was planning on doing. But when they got there, he sent a decree out. You know, a decree for a king is like a mandate. 
not a law, but it's a mandate. <laughs> you know, people think, I remember getting on planes, you know, uh, it's a law to wear a mask. Uh -uh, it's not no law, it's a mandate. It's not a law. So, uh, he sent out this mandate, this decree. He said, I'm going to have all the instruments of music begin playing. And when these instruments of music begin playing, I want everybody to fall down and worship the image. Of course, he didn't say of me, but it was of me. <laughs> I want you to worship this image that looks like me. And uh, so he, began, he, he had the instruments of music begin playing, and, and everyone fell down and worshiped the statue just like he said. But we know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not fall down. But evidently, when you read the story, King Nebuchadnezzar did not see them. Because when you read the story, uh, and what he actually asked, is it true, guys, that you didn't fall down? That means he didn't see them. So evidently, somebody tattletailed. I wonder who. wonder if it was the magicians and astrologers and soothsayers that weren't able to tell the king, and now they're trying to get back in good standing and trying to hurt the, the, the guys, the wise guys here. So, so uh, they're jealous, and they, they tell the king. And so anyway, King Nebuchadnezzar finds out that they didn't fall down to worship, and we're going to pick the story up in verse 13. Daniel 3, 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, command, they gave command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. So that shows you he didn't know, he didn't see him, but somebody tattletailed. So now he's really, really mad. In fact, this word in rage and fury, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's violent anger. Violent anger means when he heard it, he was ready to kill them. <laughs> That's violent anger, not just anger. So it appears by the time he gets, uh, they get to them, or they, they come before the king, that his violent anger has just turned into, well, I'm not sure if I'm mad or not. <laughs> because he actually gives them another chance. We'll pick it up and look at verse 14. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I've set up? So it sounds like he's questioning whether he believes it or not, what he heard about them. You know, it's probably because it was the magicians and astrologers. And, uh, you know, he may be thinking, you know, you're just trying to get back at them. So maybe by this time, he's, he's thinking maybe it's not true. So I'm going to ask him. And so then verse 15 really shows that he's not sure and that he's decided to give him another chance. Verse 15, he said, now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, symphony, uh, symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I've made good. So in other words, he says, guys, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to have all the music start again. And, and if you just fall down and worship the image of me, then everything will be fine. We'll just forget what I heard and, and we'll just move forward. But he didn't stop there. He went on. Look at what he went on and said, But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? Amen. Who is that God that can deliver you out of... 
Jereke konombo boriste prefandezese estombo roviste ginda. And God and and I am your God, saith the Lord. But there are other things trying to be your God. They're trying to tell you I'm overcoming you. You're not going to win. You're not going to succeed. You're going to fail. And those gods are liars. But I'm a bigger God, saith the Lord, and I will show myself strong. You stay in faith. You don't be moved by your physical senses. You be moved by the faith that I've given you. My faith will remove any mountain in your life. So speak to the mountain and it will move, saith the Lord. Ha 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 ha. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So notice King Neb's wanting to give them another chance. And I was asking the Lord, I remember thinking about that. I thought, wonder really what was the underlying reason he's wanting to give them another chance. Was it because he lost confidence in the magicians and astrologers? It may have been. And it may have been he was thinking that they're just trying to get back at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or the real reason that I believe uh, was because back in verse 1, I th- or chapter 1, I think that King Nebuchadnezzar looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego running his kingdom as irreplaceable. Let me show you what I mean. Let's go back two chapters. We'll come right back to chapter 3. But let me show you uh, chapter 1 and go to verses 19 and 20. Verse 19, it said, Then the king interviewed them, talking about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, interviewed them, and among them all was found, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all manners of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. Ten times, one other translation, ten times smarter. Ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. In other words, in the whole kingdom. Wow. So when I thought about ten times better, I thought, He's probably thinking, I don't want to kill these guys. <laughs> They're running my kingdom. I need them. So I'm going to give them another chance. So then he says, let's go back down to chapter 3. So he asked them, is it true, guys, that, that you don't serve my gods nor worship the image I, I made? And then he tells them, I'm, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm going to have the instruments of music play again. And if you just fall down and worship, everything will be fine. Uh, but if you don't, you're going to be thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And then he closes. Look at the end of that verse. He says, who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? Boy, he thinks he's hot stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> so let's see what their answer was. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. King James says we're not careful to answer you. Actually, if you look up the... The Hebrew that this was translated, it, it means in the sense of readiness. In other words, they're saying, we're already ready with an answer. We don't even have to give a second thought. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to have a staff meeting to see if it's okay. We don't have to get anybody's approval. We already know our answer to your, what you just said to us. And so he, he, he says in verse 17, here's their answer. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Wow, that sounds like faith. 
Verse 18, but if not, let it be known unto you, O king, that will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you set up. So here's what most Christians believe that these two verses say. I believed it for years until the Lord taught me otherwise. But uh, a lot of people, in fact, a lot of people still teach this today. Here's what the, the normal interpretation of these two verses. If you throw us in the burning fire furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace and he'll deliver us from your hand. But if not, if God does not deliver us, we will not worship your God or the image that you set up. So many, many people, including myself, we use that explanation for years. Really, when we talk about dedication, you need to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You need to be so dedicated whether God delivers you or not. You need to be sold out to him. And we use this passage for that teaching, and that's not what this teaching teaches at all. It's not what it says at all. And I'm going to prove that to you. First of all, I want you to think using, let's use our noggins God gave us. You know, the Bible does say, renew your mind, not remove it. So, so we, are, we are supposed to use it. So let's use our brains just for a minute. God gave us common sense to think with. The old interpretation, if you throw us in the fire, God's going to deliver us. But if God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to fall down and worship the image that you've... Wait a minute. What? What are you saying? You're saying if God... If you throw us in the fire, God's going to deliver us. But if God doesn't deliver us, you're still not going to fall down. You won't even be there to fall down and worship. If God doesn't deliver you, you're going to be fried, sizzled, dead, Fred. <laughs> so can you imagine if that's what they actually said to the king? If you throw us in the fire, God's going to deliver us. But, but if not, we're still not bound down. The king would laugh and go, duh. Of course you won't fall down and worship. You, you won't be here. So that, that doesn't even make common sense. But let's go back and see what he actually, well, plus, I thought about this. Plus, if that's what they said, if God, you know, God's going to deliver us, but if God doesn't deliver us, that would be like wavering faith. James chapter 1, verse 6 says, when you call or ask the Lord for anything, do it in faith and don't waver, otherwise you'll be like the wave of the sea that, that the wind decides where it's going to go. He said, no, don't do that, because verse 7 of James 1 says, let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. So they weren't wavering. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not waver. In fact, in Hebrews 11, we're given a whole list of people that uh, that we're in what we call the hall of faith, by faith this person, by faith that person, by faith that person. Well, in the 34th verse, it doesn't actually say the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if you look at that verse, it says, they, through faith, quenched the violence of fire. Yeah. So there's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right there. They actually quenched or stomped out or stopped that power of that fire. They went into that fire, and the fire was quenched. So let's see what these three Hebrew children were really saying when they answered King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? I want you to notice verses 14 and 15. King Nebuchadnezzar had asked two questions. Everybody say two questions. I want you to see in verse 14, question number one. Question number one in verse 14, King Nebuchadnezzar is talking to the three guys and says, is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship the image I set up? So is that a question? Sure it is, question number one. Then in verse 15, he asked another question at the end of the verse. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? So there's question number two. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? They answered. Verse 16, does it say they answered? Yeah. When you answer, that means you're answering something that was asked of you. 
So they're answering the questions. So they answer the two questions. Now, it's very interesting how they answered the question. They answered the last question first and then came back and answered the first questions second or last. Now, we do that all the time. People don't even realize that's just normal. Like, for example, let's say I ask you, I said, hey, um, can you stop by? I got a UPS delivered a, a package to my office. Could you run by and pick up that package and bring it to me? By the way, I need a ride to the airport tomorrow. Any way you could give me a ride to the airport? And so you answer me the two questions I ask you. You answer me back and you say, Brother Larry, I'll be happy to take the airport tomorrow. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll stop by the office, pick up the package, give it to you on the way to the airport tomorrow, unless you need it sooner. Now, you would not stop and have a fit and say, Oh my God, he answered Brother Larry backwards. (laughs) Brother Larry asked to, to do the package first and he talked about the airport first. That's terrible. See, you wouldn't even think of that. Why? Because it's just normal conversation. And that's what I want you to see here. That's what they actually did in this conversation. So question number one, verse 14, is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship the image I've set up? Question two, verse 15, who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? Look what Shad, me, and Abed said in verse 16. They said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Really, they were not only saying we don't care Uh, We don't have to think about our answer. They were also saying, we don't care what you think about our answer. (laughs) So here they go in verse 17. If you throw us in the fire, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. They just answered question number two. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? So they just answered that question. He will deliver us out of your hand. Okay, that sounds like faith to me. And then they go right on and answer question number one, which was, is it true that you do not serve my gods nor worship the image I've set up? What was their answer? If you don't throw it, but if not, but if you don't throw us in the burning fire furnace, we want you to know we still will not serve your gods nor worship the image that you have set up. They threw the ball right back into King Nebi's court. They said, hey, King, you throw us in, our God will serve, uh, deliver us. If you don't throw us in, we're not falling down to worship. So there, in your face. <laughs> that's faith, man. That, I said, that's faith. Can you see dying was not on their mind? It was not, well, God might do it, he might, God might. No, there was no wavering here at all. There was, God will deliver us if you throw us in. And if you don't throw us in, we're still not serving your God. So you just better make a decision right now what you're going to (laughs) do. Man, they weren't thinking dying at all, man. They're thinking, our God is bigger than you and any God you've set up. And that's something you need to understand that when you're facing fire situations in your life, man, take a bold stand on the word of God like they did. It's interesting, though, we're getting ready to see something. When we stand in faith, when you've done all to stand, stand. Did the Apostle Paul say that? When you've done all to stand, stand. Interesting, he's had to say that. It must mean that we're not always going to see things happen as quickly as we would like them to. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. (laughs) Sometimes it seems like God's timing is different than mine. I'd have already done this, you know. But... uh, What you're going to see here is a lot of times when you take a bold stand of faith, uh, things will temporarily look like they're getting worse. So watch this. Um, That's exactly what happened here in verse 19. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar, because they, they just flat told him. <laughs> they, they didn't back down. They, you can tell there was no... By the way, this is politics. I'm saying that because a lot of people don't realize there are dozens and dozens, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm coming up way short, I, pr- I probably say hundreds, but there's dozens, dozens, dozens of scriptures that talk about governments and political situations in the Bible. Amen. So we need to understand our God's government. We're of this world. I mean, we're in this world, but we're not of the same system and the same governments. Our government is on Jesus' shoulders. Yeah, but Brother Larry, you know, the guy in the White House, God put him there, you know. Uh-uh, if you, you need to read Hosea chapter 8, verse 4, and, and it says, There are kings that my children have set up, but not by me. Princes, but not by me, saith the Lord. God said that in Hosea. People think that just because they're people in government that they're God's will. Uh-uh, it's not God's will. There's a lot of people that are not God's will. Amen. That's another subject. I better get back on my... <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so verse 19. So King Nebuchadnezzar, you would think after they came back and said, nope, we're not, that maybe he would have backed off. Well, I really need you, so I guess, I, I guess I'll let it slide. But he did in verse 13, or verse 19 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full, uh, uh, full of fury. Remember back in 13, it says in his rage and fury, and that was violent anger. Well, now he wasn't just in violent anger. He was full of it. He was so full of it that this is it. There's no more chance. We're not going to give you another chance. And so he spoke, and look what it says he did. He spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was normally heated. I got a question for you. So what? What difference does that make? So they would have sizzled in seven seconds, and now they're going to sizzle in three seconds. What? But see, that's just like the devil throwing up the smoke screen, trying to get them out of faith, because Nebuchadnezzar could see their faith. So he's trying to, he's yielding to the devil. The devil's working through him, and the devil's trying to get him out of faith into fear. Oh, it was hot already, and now it's going to be seven times hotter. Oh, no. And that's how Satan works today, by the way. He's still trying to, trying to get you to look at your problem, your situations, your circumstances. And when, they, when you're believing God and in faith and it seems like they're getting worse, he wants you to get out of faith. He wants to turn up the heat, make things look like they're getting bur- uh, worse. But if you'll stay in faith, you will win. But he'll try and make it look worse. So, so verse 20, look at this, verse 20. He commanded certain men, the King James says the most mighty men, of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fire furnace. When it says certain men from the new King James, like I said, the King James is most mighty. Actually, the King James is closer to the original Hebrew than the new King James because the Hebrew says the strongest warriors of the army, the most powerful warriors of his army, and the most mighty. So the strongest, the most mighty, and the most powerful warriors of the army is literally what the Hebrew says. So that's who King Neb had bind them, hand and foot, no escape. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were probably thinking, anytime, God. Because if you put yourself in their position, 
you're, you, you've, you've been uh, mandated by the government. <laughs> and, uh, and they said, you have to wear this. I mean, you have to bow down. And, uh, and so, so, um, so you're probably thinking, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're probably thinking, okay, you know what? We're not going to fall down and worship. And you know what? God will deliver us. They probably thought God would come through that first time. So all the instruments of music play, and masses of people fall down six feet apart. And so, <laughs> so y'all are pulling this out of me, I'll tell you. It's your fault. <laughs> so, so anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. So, so they fall down. Masses fall down, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so what are they thinking? They're probably thinking, all right, everything's cool. King didn't see us. So they thought God delivered them. And then, of course, tattletales tell on them, and it gets back. And, and now things get worse. King Nebi wants to see you, and he's ready to kill you. Come on, God. Uh, it's not supposed to get worse. I'm in faith. I'm standing in faith here. And so they come before the king, and the king says, okay, guys, I'm going to give you another chance. I'm sure they had the thought. They're just as human as you and I are. I'm sure the thoughts came from the devil, said, why don't you just go ahead and fall down and pretend you're worshiping his God? Go ahead and just pretend. In other words, just go along, follow the, follow the crowd, follow what everybody else is doing. And, uh, and uh, even though you're falling down on the outside, you can say to God, I'm standing up on the inside. But that's not what they were thinking. But I'm sure they were still thinking, okay, God, we're going to tell the king right smack dab in his face, and then you're just going to deliver us. So they tell the king, and then the king's full of fury, and it gets worse. Then he gets the most mighty men in his army. The most mighty men in his army. I wrote this down. Well, let's go ahead and I'll explain that. Let's go ahead and read in verse 21. Uh, then these men were bound, so the most mighty men in their army, right? They bound them, their trousers, turbans, other garments were cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. Therefore, because, verse 22, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace so hot, the flame of the fire killed those most mighty men. Not, not, the fi- not the fire inside the furnace. The fire was so hot because it was seven times hotter, it backfired on King Nebi. The flames were coming out, and so when they got close enough to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, they got killed. And these, then verse 23, these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fire furnace. So, so think about this. King Nebuchadnezzar commands the most mighty men in his army to be the ones to tie them up and lead them and throw them in. In other words, if there was any chance at all for them to escape before they ever went in the burning fire furnace, their chances went to zero when these most mighty men are the ones that bound them, hand and foot. They just, their chances went to zero. I mean, these guys, these guys would be the equivalent of our elite trained men in our military today. 
If you talk the Navy, you're talking the Navy SEALs. If you talk the Army, Army Special Forces, the Marine Special Operations Command, uh, the uh, Air Force Pararescue Teams. I mean, you're talking about the, the top of the top, the biggest, the strongest, the most highly trained warriors in King Nebi's army. And what happened to them? Verse 22, because the king's command was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the fa- flame, the flame killed those men. Wow. So why weren't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego killed when they were thrown? They weren't killed as they went in. The flame didn't kill them. Neither did it kill them when they went into the fire. Well, I'll tell you why. Because they went in in faith, and your faith will stomp out all the fiery arrows and weapons that the enemy has in his arsenal, praise God. So let's go on in verse uh, 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Why? Because he saw a party going on in the fire. So he was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke to his counselors. Who was that? The astrologers, the magicians, the sorcerers, right? So he spoke to them and he said, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said, yeah, that's true. Now I'm going to prove to you when he's talking to them, they weren't looking in the fire. He's the one that was looking. They weren't looking because of what his next word was in the next verse. So he's asking them, hey, guys, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. Didn't we cast three men into the fire? And they said, well, yeah, yeah, we did. And then look at the next verse, verse 25. Look, he answered. In other words, they were not looking. He said, look, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like this. I, I, I can just hear King Nebi's voice quivering here. Can you hear it like, guys, didn't we, didn't we just cast three, three men? Um, and they said, well, yeah, king of course. He said, look. So they weren't looking. Uh, they, they couldn't have been looking. They must have just assumed when they saw the three guys thrown in, they must assume it's over. Let's go. Because the, the heat was so bad, seven times hotter. So King Nebi says, look, I, I see four. I see four men loose in the midst of the fire. And none of them are hurt. And that fourth one, he looks like the son of God. Now, you know, when I saw that phrase, King Nebuchadnezzar never saw Jesus. Where did he ever get this statement? The form of the fourth is like the son of God. I thought of Acts chapter 9 where before Paul ever became Paul, he was Saul. And he was on that road to Damascus and he saw a great light. Maybe that's what he saw that made him think that. Or, you know, John chapter 1 verse 9 calls Jesus the true light. So maybe that's what he, he was seeing this light. Or Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 9 2, he prophesied about the birth of Jesus and said the people who walk in darkness are going to see a great light. So maybe that's what he saw. Or King Agrippa, when Paul was actually telling King Agrippa about his experience, he said, man, I saw a light from heaven that exceeded the brightness of the sun. Maybe that's the light that he saw in there. But some light, as you look here in Daniel, some light or something that made him think this has to be, this has to be more than just a person. This has to be God. And so, again, the fight, this, this caught his attention. So it says, Nebuchadnezzar... Verse 26, let's go on, verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spoke and said, whoa, 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 stop, hold it, stop reading right there. It says, it says Nebuchadnezzar went how close to the mouth? 
He went what? Near. Near the mouth of the furnace, the same place his most mighty men were killed in verse 22 just a few moments before. Wow. What happened to them when they went near? They were fried. What happened to him when he went near? Nothing. He went near. Why? Because three men had already gone in in faith, and their faith had extinguished the power of the fire. Notice what King Nebi goes on and says. He said in verse 26, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out of there. And, of course, you know, then they came out of the midst of the fire, it says. So notice what he said to them. As, now, they're partying. They're in there with Jesus. They're having a party, right? Partying with Jesus. And, and, and he says, hey, hey, Shad. Hey, Mish. Hey, Abed. Come out of there. And then he says this. You servants of the most high God. Boy, he sure changed his tune. A few minutes earlier, he was saying, who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? Now he's saying, you serve the most high God. Your God is the most high God. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Let's go on to verse 27. And then all the satraps, administers, governors, kings, counselors. You understand that these, all of these names, satraps, administers, governors, counselors, these are the leaders of the nation. These are the, the evil government officials. And so he says they, they gathered together and they saw these men, talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. It was still fire because he said, come out of the fire. So it still looked like fire. Come on. But the fire had no power because notice whose bodies the fire had no power. And then it explains, it says, their head was not singed. The hair on their head wasn't singed. Their garments were not affected. No singeing, no burning of the garments. And the smell of fire was not on them. Wow. So it said they saw these bodies on whom the fire had no power. In other words, they looked, they looked close enough to see, hey, you don't even have a hair singed on your head and no hair singed on your, on your hands or your arms. And, and you don't even have the smell of fire. Now you could not say that they did not have the smell unless you got close enough to take a whiff, (laughs) right? That means they got up close enough. They could smell and they're thinking, man, That fire didn't do anything to you. And that's what faith does, man. It takes the power of Satan's attacks out, right? Luke chapter 10, 19. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And when he said serpents and scorpions, he wasn't talking about literal serpents and scorpions. He was talking about demons, devils, and evil spirits. Because if you read it in context, they had gone out. Verse 1, Jesus had given them power to go to, to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out devils, raise the dead. And then they went out and did that. And then verse 17, when they returned, they said, Jesus... Even the devils are subject to us by your name. And that's when he said, well, I'm giving you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Talking about those devils and demons and evil spirits. And over all the power of the enemy, including Satan himself. And nothing can hurt you. 
Hallelujah. That's what he says. And of course, we know Ephesians 6, 16, that the shield of faith will quench every arrow, every fiery spear that the devil throws our way. Praise God. So that's why you don't want to quit. Your God is bigger than any of your problems, your tests, your trials, your hardships of life. So let's go on in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they not, may not serve or worship any God except their own. This verse right here is further proof that back in verse 16 and 17, the new correct interpretation we gave this Bruce actually prove it. They did not say, if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. If you throw us in God's, and God doesn't deliver us, we're not going to bow down. That couldn't be it because right here it said they stayed in faith the whole time. Notice what it said. It says, God sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. That means they trusted in God. It doesn't, I don't care what happens. I don't care how hot it gets. I don't care what you say. We're not changing what we said. God's going to deliver us. And if you don't throw us in, we're not bound down. So just make a choice. We're not, we're not, we're not submitting to this government. Hallelujah. So he sent his angel and delivered. But watch what it says. And they frustrated the king's word. That's this evil government here. They actually, the word frustrated, the Hebrew word means changed. They changed the king's word. Oh, the king's word was, I set up the gods. I make the gods. I am the God. Worship me. I'm the one that's going to kill you if you don't obey. Mm -mm. They changed the king's word because they trusted in him. That means they stayed in faith the whole time. So verse 29, therefore, King Nebuchadnezzar said, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speak anything amiss the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God that can deliver like this. Wow. And then in verse 20, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he said, there's no other God that can deliver like our God. And if I remind you of Hebrews 8, 6 that I began with, our covenant is a better covenant established on better promises. That means if they can trust God, you can trust God. If they can believe God without him on the inside, how much more can you? If they can believe what they were going through, have you been in a burning fire furnace where you need the power turned off? (laughs) I don't think so. But no matter what we've gone through, it's showing us that our God is bigger, that our God is greater than any foul government, any evil government, any mandates, anything that come against us that say, well, you're not an essential business. Oh, yeah, we're about God's business, more essential than anybody's business. We will not shut down. We will not close down. And there's more stuff coming, folks. There's already stuff on the pipe, man. You better get ready to stand up for Jesus. And it's time for us to be the church. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And upon those that keys that Jesus is Lord, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then whatever you bind on earth, God will back you up. Whatever you loose on earth, God will back you up. You better bind the demons and devils and evil spirits that are trying to harass you. And you better release the anointing from inside you. You don't have to pray the glory down. The glory's not in heaven. The glory's in you. 
Jesus prayed and said, Jesus, our God, show them that the glory you've given me, I've given them. You have it in you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, lift your hands up. Lord, we worship you. We worship you. There is no other God like our God. Our God is the greatest of heaven and in earth. And all other gods must fall down and must worship. And that will come to pass. Hallelujah. But we're going to stand up and be what we're supposed to be. We're going to be children of the Most High. The Most High. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so glad Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. Woo. He's the mediator of a better covenant. Who on better promises. Man, we have it better off than all the people of the old covenant. So much better. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So that was, uh, that's what I was supposed to deliver this morning. Hallelujah. And it's, it's preparation time. It's preparation time. I know your pastors are preparing you, and, and when they have gifts in, that these gifts are going to help us prepare. So um, let's, let's get more prepared in, what is it, 6 or 6.30 or what time? 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock this evening because uh, I'm going to show you some real preparation stuff. It's really, really going to, it's going to go right along with this, show you this evening. And um, the devil doesn't want you to hear it, I'm telling you. Well, what, the things that we need to hear for these last days before Jesus splits the clouds, the devil doesn't want you to hear it. So he'll try and give you all kinds of excuses not to come back. Amen. I mean, I've come here before when Pastor and I just had it on our hearts just do Sunday morning and Wednesday night. So we didn't do a Sunday night. We've, that's what we felt like the Lord said. But we felt like the Lord said this time, do a Sunday morning and Sunday night. So we don't feel like we've missed God. And so, man... That means I'm not here tonight for me. I'm here to deliver a message to you. And what if you aren't there to receive that message? Did God miss it? No. So I'm just saying, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just trying to let you know how important these last days are for us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. More important, God said in Hebrews, more important as you see the day approaching. I don't know how many of you are, are aware, you know, you're not like an ostrich with your head in the sand. If you're aware of what's going on in Israel and what's going on with the alignment of nations against this nation and all the stuff that's happening, never in a generation has ever anything happened like what's happening right now. I, I mean, for generations, people would say, oh, you people that say Jesus is about to come back, he's about to come. Yeah, you know, my great-grandmother said that, my grandmother said that, my mom and dad, every generation's always said that. Yeah, but no generation has had, ha- has had happen what you and I see happening in the world right now, not just with the alignment of all the nations that's set up for the Ezekiel 38 war, but also we're seeing that government, even in our country, we're seeing people call evil good. And they're calling good, you and me Christians, evil. Come on. We're seeing reprobate minds. We're seeing people that are void of judgment. They're actually spewing lies and they have no conscience that it's not true. 
they think it's true. This has never happened before in any generation, folks. We are getting close to the return of Jesus. But there's a lot of work. Amen. And that work's going to happen. When we're seeing... You know, you hate to bring this up, but, but people don't realize what the Bible talks about. The Bible says you're going to see 1,000 fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. That is worse than 9-11. We've not seen that yet. That's going to happen during the greatest outpouring of the miraculous power of God that this earth has ever seen. So it means while we're seeing mighty miracles happen, people raised from the dead, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's disease, uh, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, all kinds of stuff, we're just going to see it happening like popcorn happened. While that's happening, there's going to be a lot of evil that's taking place. And it's going to cause people to look to the light. That's what happens in the darkness. People look to the light. And they're going to see you shining, and they're going to want answers, and we're going to have billions swept into the kingdom of God. And then the cloud's going to split. But I'm, but I'm telling you, it's not going to be just a fun time in the natural, because when you have a 1,000 fall at your side, 10,000 people, you're going to have to weep with those who weep. Amen. You're going to have to get down, and you're going to have to pull them up, and then you'll be rejoicing with those who rejoice when they accept Jesus. Amen? So we got a lot to look forward to. But we, you have to be bold. You have to be strong in these last days. And messages like this are preparing us. The message that I got for tonight is going to prepare us for those things. All right? Praise God. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, if there's anybody that's come into this service or anybody watching uh, online this morning that's not saved, Lord, they've never called on Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. I pray that you just draw them by your spirit right now. Lord, just give them a glimpse of your goodness. Just show them how much you love them and how good you are. You're a good God. You were good to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're under a better covenant, so we know you're going to be good to us. Thank you, Lord. I pray that not one person within the sound of my voice would reject Jesus, but that every single one would accept him and call the kingdom of God their eternal home. And Father, I am praying that for your honor, for your glory. And now, in this place, just bow your heads, close your eyes in reverence to God. And uh, if you're here this morning, you know, maybe we're all saved. That's great if everybody's already saved. But if you're not saved, if you've never received Jesus and you would like us to pray for you this morning, I'll tell you, what a family to be a part of. (laughs) Man, family of the, the actual creator of the universe is our Father. Jesus, our big brother. Wow. So if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus and you want to today, just slip your hand up high enough that I can see it. I want to know who I'm praying for today. Is there anybody in the, in the building this morning with the uplifted hand? You'd just say, yep, yeah, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus. Anybody? Anybody? You? Okay, good. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. We have two people that want to receive Jesus. That's, that's worth the service right here. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed just for a minute. Just real reverent to God for a moment. I don't want to miss anybody. Is there anybody else? We're already going to pray for two people that want to accept Jesus. So is there anybody else? You say, I want to accept Jesus. I've never done that. You know, going to church doesn't save you. 
be in a certain denomination. Well, you know, I'm Catholic, I'm Baptist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Presbyterian, I'm whatever. None of that saves you. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus gets saved. Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to heaven except by him. So you have to accept Jesus, not religion, but relationship. So if you're here and you want to join these other two that we're going to be praying for and you've never accepted Jesus and you want to, just slip your hand up. Is there anybody else? Anybody else with the uplifted hand? You're just saying, yeah, I I want to receive Jesus today. Nobody's coercing you. Nobody's making you do it. It's all free will. Praise God. If you want to receive him, he'll accept you willingly, lovingly, freely. Is there anybody else? I sense there is, but I'm just going to wait just a second. God doesn't make anybody receive him. He made you a free will being, so you get to make a choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. Choose blessing or choose cursing. We have two people that decided they want to choose life and blessing today, so you can join them if you want to. Anybody, that third person, anybody else want to lift their hand? You're saying, I want to be prayed for. I want to receive Jesus. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Is there another one? Oh, okay, I see your hand. Thank you. Yes, a young, young person, young man lifted his hand. That's good. Praise God. Let me give one more invitation. Heads are still bowed. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Brother Larry, I am born again. I, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I've never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Like, like all the writers of the New Testament, every single writer of the New Testament, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all, like the Apostle Paul, they all prayed in that heavenly prayer tongue. I want to be filled with that power from on high. I want to be filled with the Spirit. If that's you, then I want you to raise your hand. I want to include you with these others that we're going to pray for. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Someone else with the uplifted hand. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Someone else with the uplifted hand. You're saying, yeah, I want to get filled with the Holy Ghost today. I've never been filled with the evidence of speaking in a brand new heavenly prayer tongue endued with power from on high. If you're watching online right now and you need to receive Jesus or you want to be filled, you can just raise your hand. Maybe I can't see you physically, but God can. So you can just raise your hand and say, I'm, I'm receiving Jesus today, or I'm going to be filled with the Holy Ghost today, right where you're at. Praise God. Anybody else on either invitation? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to tarry here just for a minute. Um, just, just wait just a moment because I just feel like there's somebody. I don't know if it's to be saved or to be filled now. Somebody else that hasn't raised their hand, you know you need it. So just go ahead, man. Lift your hand and say, yep, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm, I'm getting my life changed today. I'm getting my life right with God today. Is there anybody else? Thank you, Lord. The one person that wants saved, they want to get filled too. They raise their hand for both things. I don't blame them. <laughs> Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else? With the uplifted hand, I want to get saved or I want to be filled with the Spirit today. Get my life changed on right track with God today. Hallelujah. All right. Those, those of you, there's about four or five or six of you. Um, rather than me coming back to each of you and just taking all that time and praying stand to your feet right where you're at if you lifted your hand just stand up right where you're at thank you they're already getting up that shows they meant business praise god if you lifted your hand to be filled or to be saved just stand up right where you're at and then look up here at me like i said i could come back and to each one of you and pray for each one of you but if you would just come and join me then we'll just pray all together so just come join me real quick just come join me come on 
If you're standing, come join me right up here. Come join me. Go ahead and get her attention. Tell her to come on up. Yeah, come on up. Come on up. There you go. Hallelujah. Come on up, y'all. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, let them let them come on up. Praise God. Yeah, come on up. Praise. Just like, be like a half moon right around me here. Come on up closer to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're family. If, if you're not born again, you're getting ready to be born again, then we'll be family anyway. So praise God. I remember when I did this uh, a lot of years ago now, and man, what a life-changing experience it was for me. So I know you're going to be changed because I'm not the one that changes you. The God of heaven is the one that changes you. So... You're about to be changed from uh, just a natural human being to a supernatural God being because God puts himself in you and uh, what a difference that makes. So I'm going to pray for you here and then we're going to send you, who's going to be taking them to the, to the prayer room here? Who is? Right here? Y'all are? Okay, so what we're going to do, we're, I'm going to pray for you here and then we're going to send you to a prayer room. Just going to be there for a few minutes. We're going to make sure that you got what you came for. And then the church has gift or gifts that they want to give you. I think they even have my, my mini book. Yeah, they're going to give you a book that I wrote because I want you to have that. And so they're going to give that to you so you don't have to buy it. But when you see the difference, let me just say this. When you see the difference that it makes, that Jesus makes in your life, and when other people start saying, man, there's something different about you. What is it? I want it. When you see the difference it's made, you're going to want them to know. And these books will help you do that. They'll help you share it, share your faith. And you're going to want to do it, let me tell you. It's, it's a change. So let me pray. Everybody reach your hands out toward them as we pray. Father, I pray. You guys lift a hand up to heaven. That's where your help's coming from. Father, I pray. Go ahead and just lift a hand up to heaven. There you go. Father, I pray for these that are standing here now. Lord, they're lifting their hands to you. And I thank you, Father. You said whoever comes to you, you would not turn them away, not one of them. That means no matter what they've done, they don't have to get good enough to come to you. They come to you just the way they are, and you take all of the wrong, all of the sin, all of the mistakes, all of the failures that they ever committed, and you wash it away by your precious blood, and you make them new, brand spanking new creatures in Christ Jesus today. And then, Father, the ones that want to be filled with the Spirit, I thank you, that free gift the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They get filled today and they bubble and gush out being able to pray in a new heavenly prayer tongue. And I thank you for that, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for your salvation and your even deliverance for those if they need healing or deliverance. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. They are not only saved from sin, but they are healed, made whole, and set free totally in Jesus' name. Amen!